Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Life Happens on SAFM. It is nine minutes after one o'clock. Good afternoon to you. My name is Pimelo Mutine. I'm going to be with you until three today. So obviously we know that um, the U.S. is almost on tenterhooks as we speak, right? So vote counting is continuing as millions of votes still are yet to be counted. And so there is a lot of heat. There is a lot of tension. You have a lot of back and forth happening between what one person is calling calling victory and the one says no let's wait a minute and whatever the question is what do you do (laughs) if you're an american at this point in time what to do i say bake cake that's what i say apparently there is a thing called an election cake i kid you not there is a thing called an election cake and that's my suggestion to americans right now sit back grab a tea a coffee whatever it is that you like to drink and bake election cake what is election cake, I ask you? Well, I have somebody who knows what election cake is. Her name is Anna Trapido. She is food anthropologist, and she's also an author of a book called Hunger for Freedom. She joins me now on the line. Anna, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Hello. <laughs> so, I mean, I, my suggestion is people must just sit back, get a drink, and bake cake. What's your suggestion? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, I always think a, a slice of cake is a good thing. You know, that Nigella Lawson said there is no problem that trifle doesn't make a little bit better. But actually, I'm feeling almost sick with kind of anxiety over this yeah. thing. So all I can do is refresh my screen on the Washington Post. Um, so, um, I, yeah, it's one of the rare occasions when actually I'm too nervous to eat cake. But um, And... and- not only, you know, refresh your screen on the Washington Post, it's almost a question of which news network to actually follow. So that in itself is also a problem. So I, I really think we should bake cake. I, yeah. I think we should bake cake. And I, there I is really Take the such dog a thing. for a walk, bake a cake, something. So I'm, I'm told there is a thing called election cake. Right. Um, look, an election cake is amazingly old. Yeah. That it is. Um, it's an American cake that um, comes from really the first cookbook ever published in in America as an American cookbook. It was published in 1796 um, by a woman called Amelia Simmons. And in her book, she has this recipe for election cake. And it's not quite a cake as we understand it today, mm-hmm. um, in that it's it's a yeasted enriched dough. So ah. it's an enriched dough is a dough, it's like a bread dough, but it's got a lot more butter and eggs in it. So, you know, we eat things that we know, like a kitka or um, a brioche, for instance, or that Italian Christmas cake called panettone. Um okay. That. So it's a, it's an enriched dough with um, masses of dried fruit in it and spices, and it is enormously boozy. The election cake. Oh, so I mean, for maybe they were also for quite nervous. It's got both wine and brandy in it in, in impressive quantities. Wow. Um, so she has this recipe, and I looked at that the recipe. Okay, seventeen ninety six. You know that is so early. You know mm. the. the the War of Independence only ends in 1783. So, you know, this is 
you know, right at the dawn of uh, of American democracy, this cake. It's been there as long as democracy. Yeah, I'm listening to the ingredients, um, and, and I, I mean, I could be wrong. It, would it be an elitist-type cake? Well, it's clearly, you know, it's, it's got lots of um, ingredients that are rare and expensive. Mm. You know, it's full of... Yeah. Butter and sugar was very pricey at the time, yeah. and booze, and you know, remembering that this is 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 quite a um, you know that, that a lot of their ingredients are being imported mm. at the time. Mm. Um, that I think that what's interesting about it is that you know while you know this this is a, a cake that's being made in a country with a form of democracy. Mm. It's actually a very limited franchise that. Um, you know, that, that we're talking about a time when no women could vote, that um, mm. the majority of black people couldn't vote, that there were actually, because it was a property clause, yeah. there were yes. occasionally African-Americans who were freed um, people, who were well, freed men who were enfranchised, but they are very rare. So essentially what we're talking about is white men and within that rich white men who earn property. It's about 10% of the total population at the time hmm. who can vote. So the people who are baking this cake and getting so excited about the butter and sugar and spices and booze and all of that, the irony is is that, that almost certainly they are celebrating a democracy that they, they are not participating hmm. in. Hmm. Interesting point there. And and. And so would you, would they have had it with tea? I mean, I'm just thinking about the boozy element of the cake. Would they have had another, like a glass of something else? uh, Look, it's not clear from the descriptions as to exactly when you're supposed to eat your election cake, under what circumstances, and, you know, what you wash it down with. That I mean, for instance, I was wondering, is it sort of like, you know, all of this week there have been this this organization called Pizza to the Poles, who, you know, you you send them a message on Instagram saying, we've been in the queue a long time and we're hungry, Mm. and they send pizzas around. So is the election cake a thing you hand out in the queue to keep people who might otherwise leave the queue because they're too hungry? Is is that what election cake is for? Is it actually for celebrating after you've won? Can you still eat it if you're commiserating because you lost? You know, given that it's a long process to bake this thing, can you share an election cake with your <laughs> opponent? But, maybe and, it's I mean, a pi- maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe that's exactly the point. To maybe they were nicer than us. But um, that is it possible that it simply comes from a very rural community where you know going to vote is one of the few occasions when people come to town. Ah. So it's just exciting because you see all your chummies, and you know, regardless of how you voted, you get to eat cake together. Um, um, or is it actually a fundraising tool? Because so often subsequently, yes. um, you know, baking and cakes and cake sales have been part of raising money for yeah. political campaigns. Mm. So maybe you eat it before the election to fund the election. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about, because I'm also curious about why on earth someone would come up with an election cake. So Amelia, <laughs> you know, I get the fact that this was, you know, the first published recipe book. I'm just wondering right. where, you know, where the inspiration came from. What was it about her? Was she, you know, do we know enough about her to, to kind Amelia of Amelia Simmons. Yeah. Who she, look, she 
is she's obviously it's not the first cookbook because lots of people have scribbled recipes into little books and so there are older recipes but she is but the this first is published, published yes, cookbook yes. and I think what's interesting about it and it reminds me of early cookbooks in Afrikaans as well mm. is it's very clear that it's you know, there's something called the Paul cookbook that goes on and on about, um, you know, these are our recipes in mm, our mm, language. Mm. And I think this has the same kind of nationalist feel that, wow. you know, a lot of these recipes are actually older recipes. You know, that an enriched dough is, is, is a, an older recipe that they have brought with them um, from the old world. But, you know, that, that it's very clear that this is an American cookbook mm. and that, that we are Democrats who vote and, you know, that, that there's a very explicit statement mm. of national identity going on. And it's, it's an interesting example of how, you know, women are often quite culturally significant in defining political identity and mm. national identity, and but they do it through domestic mm. Um, mm. endeavors. So Herzogis and, mm. you know, that, that there are lots of ways in which South Africans have said, this is who we are, mm. this is who we define as community, this is who we don't define as community, through pudding. Hmm. Um, and I think it's an example of that. It's saying we are Democrats, you know, in that we are people who vote. I, I get the feeling this is the kind of cake that would have been kind of baked, um, put on a, a fancy tray with a flag. <laughs> <laughs> with that toothpick flag or the entire tray is the American flag. You think that they'd have been a bit Martha Stewart I, about I, it. I promise you, Maybe I think... blueberries. Ma- I saw Ma- a lovely Martha Stewart cake where she did the Stars and Stripes and she used mm. blueberries to make the stars. And I think strawberries to make the, the red stripes. But, you know, given that blueberries are indigenous to the Americas, that yes. the one thing that they would have had that... that you know, we now know is they. So maybe they. In none of the pictures that the food historians I've seen who have made this cake, um, none of them have have iced it. That um, yes, yes, it really it looks, does look like a panettone, like an Italian yeah, Christmas yeah. cake. I've seen that too. But I mean, I'm interested in the fact that I I hadn't heard of this cake before, and suddenly, apparently. It's made a comeback. So suddenly people are Googling this recipe. And I'm kind of thinking there's obviously a lot happening in the American people's minds. They're trying to get their (laughs) minds off stuff. But they're also very preoccupied with the election. And and do you think there'd be a modern twist to this? I mean, they're probably cooking it or baking it today. Well, if they're baking it today, it's like for the last few days, there have been these messages saying, you know, if if you haven't sent in your... um, absentee ballot, then it's yeah. too late. You need to go in in person. If you haven't been making your yeast starter, your sourdough starter for your election cake for the last two days, you've left it too late. Yeah. Um, I would say looking at the recipe, and I'm actually going to try it, yeah. um, I would say you could probably just cheat and, and chuck in um, baking powder. You know, all of these raising <laughs> agents you see? are simply about people who didn't yet have chemical raising agents, you know, so that they, their raising agent was a yeast starter the way we make a sourdough. So, you know, it's like it's a ferment. So, so Anna, true to form, true to the South African food anthropologist that you are, 
you just recommended baking powder, which was a discussion point for the past couple of days in oh, South really? African politics. And there oh, you were. with the Maguignan. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so let's just say we want to kind of like, you know, be, be also interested in what they're doing and we wanted to bake this cake. Could we... Could we give it a South African twist? What would you do? You said baking powder is one of the things that you may, may well, use? Well, look, I mean, I think ferments, you know, you, the way you traditionally make this cake is you make a sourdough starter. So you, you take um, whole milk and you turn it into mass, essentially. That is your starter. So ah. that's their raising agent in this cake. Yeah. So on day one in, the, in 1796, um, Mrs. Simmons was saying what you do is you make your ferment. Mm. So you make your mass, essentially. And that's what you're going to use as your raising agent. Okay. On day two, she soaks fruit in so a really impressive you, amount of booze. Or and you then can, she makes a, a dough. So, or you could just go get... Uh, a yogurt, um, maybe plain yogurt or amasi, as because it already, you know, we now have that already. So you could do that to cheat. Except that's pasteurized. So okay. I don't know that that would help your cake to have any sort okay. of lightness. But I do think you could simply use packet yeast if you were desperate. Okay. But, you know, we've all, if you want to make it, it is essentially like making brioche. So it's flour and butter and sugar. And I've given the recipe to your producer so people could bombard her with phone calls. And lots of sort of Christmassy spices. So cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, star anise. Um, so, vast quantities of sherry, um, and so yeah, so, so you you will end up with a kind of um, really delicious fruity bun. So um, we that, could we could because we 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 own Tim Noakes in South Africa. We could do less less sugar, keep the butter, and we could maybe use a <laughs> bells. Or I tell you what we could do. <laughs> I think is better. It's yes. all through the Trump presidency. Um, sort of progressive Americans have been making what they call peach mint pie. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a silly joke, peach mint as in impeachment. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm seeing peaches beginning to come into the shops. A peach pie is a lovely thing that you can make in one day. Okay. But they're also making cocktails. You know, there is a cocktail called a dark and stormy, which is a, a rum cocktail. And again, that the kind of, joke has always been that that's what you serve with your peach mint pie <laughs> so you know i think that maybe a peach pie is the way to go because it's kind of simpler shorter easier and for us they're in season you know the americans are you know the one thing you can see is that you know standing in that queue has been quite chilly you know almost everywhere except florida Oh, listen, it's wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> um, I won't try it. <laughs> Make so, a peach mint pie. It, I mean... That would be delicious and easy. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. Maybe when South Africans actually... In a week's time. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll go back and, and think about it and we'll let you know. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah? I thought an interesting thing was that... When I was reading American history this morning, Americans date the birth of democracy from the date that George Washington left office, which is 1797. So democracy is not when you're elected, Mm. but when you voluntarily leave. leave. Yeah. So, yeah, that... um, 
there's history in all of this. <laughs> Something useful for everybody. Thank yeah. you, Anna. This is we'll post the recipe. Um, yes, as I said, I, I doubt I'll try it, but I'm sure there are lots of people who who will. I, so you know, yeah, dedicated people can try, and they will probably be done before the final results are collected. So yes, the, the last, so. the very last vote. Yeah. <laughs> the very last word. Anna Trapito is a food anthropologist. Thanks, Anna. And she's bye. also bye bye. She's also the author of Hunger for Freedom. And you should get a copy of Hunger for Freedom. I think I'm not I, I don't know if it's still in print, but it's a fantastic book. It uh, traces the journey food journey of a, um, former president Nelson Mandela. It's beautifully put together. Lots of history in there and some really interesting anecdotal stories about what food was eaten way and it it traces that political journey using food and I think it's just such a gift so uh, try and see if you can get a copy Hunger for Freedom. If you can't we will try and uh, also tag Anna and maybe you can ask her directly on social media if she can uh, organise a copy for you so Anna Trapido, food anthropologist and what are we talking about today? Election cake. No, I won't try it but maybe you could. We'll post the recipe.